in the DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B. It's me, it's me, it's the old SFD, and this is the Superflex Super Show. And here we go with some Week 10 Superflex Standard Operating Procedures. We made it through the uh, just the, the absolute cascade, the, the avalanche of quarterbacks last week tommy and uh it's a much more manageable um position to navigate this week so and i taught said it last week uh it's never a good thing when you have to consider you know five six different quarterbacks so now we get to turn our attention to some of the other positions this week still have some quarterbacks but uh we get to spend a little bit more time on running back wide receiver and uh tight ends so um it'll be a, a much more uh a, a much more pleasant i think group of standard operating procedures for us this week i sure hope so we've got some good names at the other positions but it really feels like quarterback this year is almost like the backup running back position of years past where you need to have some extra ammo in the chamber because we've had something like 45 or 50 quarterbacks already get a start. And um, I think six of them have been rookies as well. So we're, we're digging pretty deep at the quarterback position. And of course it's important. Um, But right now I'm really more excited with the ads and the waivers for some of the other positions. So let's make sure we address some of the players that we need to make sure are rostered, but I can't wait to get into the ads and talk running back with you today. Let's do it. Yeah, let's uh, we'll get to that. So let's start with just some players to make sure they're rostered. Like you said, Josh Dobbs at quarterback for Minnesota, uh, just in case he was dropped after getting benched in Arizona. Uh, that seemed pretty transparent that uh, they were uh, they were moving on from him because they were going to be shipping him out. Um, and then it felt like just a matter of time. I, I think a lot of people thought that Jaron Hall was going to hold that job uh, for a while with Dobbs as a backup, but uh, that felt like another inevitability. Not only that he would get traded, but that uh, once he was traded to Minnesota, that he becomes a starter sooner rather than later. If he happened to be dropped, man, you're getting, (laughs) considering the pool of quarterbacks right at the moment, you're getting a very quality super flex starter. Totally. Uh, running back Devin Singletary for Houston, um, especially now with Damian Pierce going to be missing some time with an injury, most likely. Uh, but Singletary's really kind of been taking over that job slowly over the last few weeks, anyways. Michael Wilson, a wide receiver, especially now we got the news today: Kyler Murray's going to start, barring a setback. He's a starting quarterback in Arizona. Uh, the the rising tide that lifts all boats. But Michael Wilson has been uh, a pretty significant piece of the offense, even with Dobbs and, and to a lesser extent, Clayton Toon. And then Taysom Hill at tight end. uh, He's just finding different. He threw a touchdown pass. He caught a touchdown pass. Um, Did he catch one or did he run it in? Yeah, I think he caught one. He's doing everything right now. And I hate that we have to talk about Taysom Hill in the Lord's year of 2023. Come on now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I know it is super frustrating, but I mean, the fact that they are going to use him as like, he's designated as a tight end, but they're using him uh, running out of the slot. They're using him as a running back. They use him as a quarterback. Like they, th- he just has so many different ways to get you fantasy points. And, uh, it, I, I mean, it's just kind of hard enough to navigate that position at the moment, hard enough to find the guys who you can really count on every week. So when you find someone who just kind of naturally has a little bit of a floor, you have to consider it. And uh, But I'm I'm with you. It's It's always been super annoying with him. Yeah, and there's a chance with the Chiefs, Rams, Dolphins, and Eagles on by that Taysom Hill isn't just a tight end one, but the tight end one is in the range of outcomes for week 10 with Kelsey out. He's just got really Mark Andrews to surpass who is putting up about 15 points a game. Taysom Hill over the past three or four weeks is putting up somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 in a stock PPR league. 
So he's somebody that as, as gross as the position is, he has been one of the lone bright spots. Um, but let's get to some of these ads. We've got, I think, 45 players to get through today, John. And so <laughs> we're going to need to move pretty quickly. Um, at the quarterback position, Taylor Heineke, um, he is named the starter again for week 10 for the Atlanta Falcons. Thank God. Um, Tommy, don't call me Danny DeVito for the Giants with just injuries piling up at the quarterback position for them. We're stuck with another Tommy DeVito week, it looks like. Um, Aiden O'Connell, he who pushes the ball down the field, it seems, is in line for some more stogies uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. At running back, Keaton Mitchell, um, really impressed, at least me, um, at the running back position for the Baltimore Ravens. Khalil Herbert is coming back this week. I'm really excited about that. Um, Zach Charbonnet, it feels like a breakout is inevitable, right? He's been taking more and more of that backfield share for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on Charbonnet. Um, maybe the running back I'm most excited for is Leonard Fournette. The more I think about this situation, the more I think he may be a difference maker um, coming down the stretch of this fantasy season. And so Leonard Fournette is somebody that I'm very excited about adding to my rosters. Um, coming off of buys, Jaleel McLaughlin, Tank Bigsby, and Elijah Mitchell. So a lot of running backs there. I'm just going to run through these other positions real quick, and then I, I really want to hear your thoughts, John. Um, but we've got to talk about Demario Douglas, the New England Patriots wide receiver. He's really performing somewhere in the low-end wide receiver two range uh, with his expected fantasy points. 19% target share, 23% first read share. Um, all the markers are there for a down-the-stretch breakout. Jalen Tolbert, another great option with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Noah Brown, that Houston Texans offense just went nuclear this week. And then at the tight end position, um, just one flyer to add, Kate Otten with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of names there, John. Um, who are you prioritizing? This week, I think we're focusing on running back. Uh, Demario Douglas, I think, uh, really kind of rises to the top as well, but, uh, the rest of the, the, the wide receivers are startable kind of flex worthy in a deeper league. Um, Kate Otten is going to be very startable. It's a, it's a great schedule rest of season. Uh, Tampa Bay is leaning pretty heavily on him. So, you know, it, it, it's, there's some very usable players here, but Demario Douglas looks like the one, you know, every week starter at the wide receiver position at this point also has a very good schedule rest of season. Uh, and Mac Jones is looking competent, <laughs> like good enough. That's all we really need for wide receiver. We don't, we don't need CJ Stroud. We just need somebody who can, who can, you know, complete a handful of passes every game and get it <laughs> to our guys. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the big focus is going to be a running back. I think, you know, Keaton Mitchell, it was obviously a very positive game script, uh, for the running game. I mean, you know, by the fourth quarter, Lamar Jackson's on the bench, Zay Flowers is on the bench. Um, Mark Andrews is on the bench. And of course, Gus Edwards is on the bench, which really kind of cleared the way for Keaton Mitchell, but we've been talking about him for weeks now. Yeah, and the 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 speed, the juice, the energy that he brings to that offense, the electricity that he brings to that offense, that honestly just is not there with Gus Edwards. I don't know that Keaton Mitchell's going to be able to completely overtake Gus Edwards, but an injury to Gus Edwards would make this uh, like then we can start the story of Keaton Mitchell is a starting running back in Baltimore. And uh, I think that could be a dynasty stash for you as well. I think that's a long-term thing. Um, Zach Charbonnet, seriously, it, like just kind of, again, slowly taking over that job from Kenneth Walker. Um, they're, they're splitting it right down the middle. DJ Dallas just not even involved at this point. But Zach Charbonnet is far more effective. Like he's converting... He converts about 40% of his runs into first downs. Uh, Kenneth Walker is below 20%. Like yeah. it's, it's a massive, massive difference. And then, like you said, Leonard Fournette, I mean, they've been trying to figure out a, a way to turn this over to a power back all season long. And they just haven't been able to justify it with Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. 
Well, now you've got a guy coming in who, you know, really kind of consolidates everything that you've had and everything you've been trying to do with that, with that committee. He's a better pass catcher than, you know, most of the guys on roster, except for James Cook. And he's a good enough pass catcher to take James Cook off the field in passing situations. So, like, it's it's tough as far as how you prioritize these guys. I think that your league is going to prioritize Keaton Mitchell. Uh, uh, but man, like, who's who's your top priority, Tommy? Out of these options, I'm really excited about Khalil Herbert. He was doing a lot really last year and then moving into the early parts of this season to take control of the Chicago Bears backfield. Um, I don't really care that the offense isn't great. He was forcing a lot of missed tackles. He's just a really good running back. Um, So if I need a start over the next week or two, um, I could see Khalil Herbert as a really strong option. If I'm a, a true favorite in the league, my priority has to go with Leonard Fournette, though. I just I see a path to him starting in your championship week where he's consolidated the backfield, where the weather is colder up in Buffalo, and Josh Allen is finally throwing footballs to running backs, not undersized running backs, but big boys, guys that can break tackles, who can take control of ball games. And Leonard Fournette, to me, is he is the perfect fit for what ails the Buffalo offense. And I just, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just me wish casting onto Leonard Fournette for a late season surge and to have, you know, have this running back come out of literally almost nowhere. Um, but if anybody is going to do it, doesn't it feel like Fournette? Yeah, I would think so. And, it, it, you know, it's probably the best offense here uh, of the guys that we're looking at. Um you know, certainly the the most uh, the most effective offense, I would say, uh, like like Baltimore, obviously very very good offense, but it just it, the way it just kind of everything just runs through Lamar Jackson. It's it's not particularly fantasy friendly for running backs, but uh, you know, again, like he's going to be the top ad in in most of your leagues. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm I, I'm with you if Khalil Herbert is out there. I think he's probably uh, that's a that's a very good ad, um, but man, Leonard Fournette is worth considering. Yeah, and at the quarterback position, Aiden O'Connell, I was excited by, by what I saw. You and I had a conversation really coming into the season about O'Connell, and he's the type of player that I wasn't willing to put on my rosters because I deemed it a low percentage bet. But I'm I'm learning and I'm growing just like everyone else in the fantasy space. And I've added O'Connell in a few spots. I'm really happy that I did. The early returns are encouraging, even if the fantasy points haven't followed yet. Yeah, true. Taylor Hineke, too. Uh, 268 yards, a touchdown, an interception. So, you know, it's it's in terms of fantasy scoring, it's pretty middle of the road. But when you consider what you've been getting from the QB in Atlanta this season, that's those are very uh it, it 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 they're solid numbers you know that's that's kind of what you're looking for for fantasy scoring um and uh, above all else you get drake london back from injury and all of a sudden this offense the whole offense seems ready to roll and uh taylor hinnicky is just going to give you a little bit of a scoring floor it's never going to be a weak winner uh you know type of score but I think that he, you know, when you're when you're dealing with bye weeks, I think that he's going to give you plenty of floor. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a few quarterbacks on the next week, this week list that I want to get into um, who offer kind of the same potential. And those are Drew Locke with Seattle and Marcus Mariota with the Eagles. So Drew Locke, he may just kind of get the starting quarterback nod out of default. Um, Pete Carroll He's a very encouraging, positive dude um, until he puts your ass to the bench, right? And he's not thrilled with Geno Smith right now. I think Geno's a pretty good quarterback. I think he's certainly a top 32 quarterback. But we may be at a point soon where Drew Locke is getting starts uh, with those really great pass catchers. 
Um, so he's somebody that I'm looking at as a next week, this week player, as well as Marcus Mariota with Jalen Hurts. Um, he's got an injured knee and it seems to have been re-aggravated last week. They're going into their bye right now. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are. But that's a perfect time to not get reporting on really what's happening with Hertz knee. And so he's somebody that I'm willing to put a speculative ad on right now. Yeah, that's that, that was always really a pretty good one. Um, you know, considering the offense, considering the uh, the amount of experience that Marcus Mariota has as a very good handcuff uh, running backs. Rashad Penny, uh, finally active for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, how long does it take him to climb that depth chart might be another question, but uh, he's on his way. He took the first step. James Conner uh, and uh, comes off of IR next week, or eligible at least. And then Ty Chandler, we're going to talk about Cam Akers, but Ch- Ty Chandler with Cam Akers out for the season and possibly longer. Uh, Ty Chandler becomes the backup to Alexander Madison, who they have not been completely sold on. <laughs> Um, to this point, they really wanted to give some more of the workload to Cam Akers. Maybe they're willing to do the same with Ty Chandler. Yeah, I like those, especially the Chandler ad, because that backfield has always felt a little uncertain. And Chandler has way more athletic prowess um, than really anyone else. I'm not sure what the issue has been in elevating Chandler, but it seems like the more we get into this season, the more opportunities for players with that type of a profile uh, comes to be, comes to be because this is a, a game of attrition, right? And you want to have as many Ty Chandlers as possible because we just saw what happened in Baltimore, right? A undersized running back with a lot of pop. Um, He was able to seize his opportunity. That's Keaton Mitchell for a hundred and whatever yards. Why wouldn't Ty Chandler have that opportunity? Yep, absolutely. So wide receivers, uh, next week, this week, wide receivers. Hunter Renfro is the first one, and uh, this was yours, and you put happiness exists and joy exists in Las Vegas. So <laughs> yeah. just kind of the, the sun's just shining a little bit brighter, not only with Aiden O'Connell, but even more importantly, Antonio Pierce uh, really just kind of has the entire culture um, headed in a much different direction, and that offense could be a lot more effective without the stupid Patriot way, honestly. (laughs) Did you hear the, did you hear that Jay Glazer report about the, uh, the airing grievances meeting that they had last week that led to Josh McDaniels getting fired? Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping, did you hear the fortune cookie one? No, I didn't hear that. Oh, I was, so this has been disproven, but I changed one of my fantasy team names because of this fake story. Um, The story was McDaniels dressed up um, as the owner, Mr. Davis, um, for Halloween. And so Mark Davis ordered Chinese food to the head coach's office uh, with a fortune cookie that said, you're fired, hotshot. Unfortunately, that's not true, but it's a fantastic story. (laughs) I wish it could not happen to a better person. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm just glad that they did fire him. But yeah, like the the big the big uh the big motivational speech from Antonio Pierce was basically talking about when he played for the Giants and uh they beat the Patriots and pissed off Josh McDaniels and it's just kind of uh, that uh, it that's that's been the whole thing and for me uh, all along with Josh McDaniels, it's just this is a it's a secret operative deployed by Bill Belichick to ruin other AFC teams, and I don't know why anybody continues to let that happen. Bill O'Brien is the same thing. Matt Patricia is the same thing. Stop hiring, even Brian Flores to an extent. Stop hiring bill belichick's bill belichick does not have a coaching tree and there's a very good reason for that (laughs) anyways (laughs) digress big time hunter renfro good stash cedric wilson's a good stash especially with uh, jalen waddle potentially dealing with an injury and uh tyreek hill finally getting tons and tons of focus from every secondary that he faces got some tough matchups coming up as well yeah 
Justin Watson led all uh, Kansas City wide receivers in both routes and uh, uh, led the wide receivers in routes run, led uh, the entire team in targets. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones yet to make his debut for the Detroit Lions uh, as they come off of a bye. Uh, but that might be the perimeter wide receiver that they've been looking for um, and not just not quite getting what they wanted from Jamison Williams. And Cedric Tillman with Donovan Peoples-Jones traded to Detroit. Tillman goes from being a healthy scratch most weeks to looks like very possibly the number two in that offense. Uh, second most snaps at wide receiver ahead of even Elijah Moore. So he he's certainly going to be the perimeter guy, it seems like, with more coming in on uh, um, three wide receiver sets. Uh, so a lot more opportunities for Cedric Tillman coming. Tight ends, Pat Fryermuth, um, nearing that return from IR. So, you know, it's certainly in redraft leagues, shallower leagues, it's very possible that he's been dropped because of the weight. Uh, but we're getting close to getting him back. Dallas Goddard has a fractured forearm, uh, eligible for IR. So we're likely not going to see him for several weeks. Jack Stoll seems to be the immediate backup. Alberto Okwegbunum. That's the first time I've ever said that name right. Well and done. <laughs> like that's, that's a Broncos fan who had to, had to learn how to say it uh, over and over. Um he's the better pass catcher. So, you know, to me, like if you're just kind of looking for a, for a, you know, plug and play tight end with a little bit of a floor, it's probably Jack Stoll. But man, like if, if you have the luxury of chasing some upside, Alberto, I think is the guy that you want. And then finally, of course, got to talk about Tegan Quatoriano because if it wasn't for him missing this game, uh, and now that he's on IR, Dalton Schultz wouldn't have had the opportunity that he had to put up that monster game uh, over 100 yards receiving, I think 150 something um, it, it gets in the end zone as well. Like th that's all a function of not having Tegan Quatoriano on the field, uh, taking away, you know, your your routes and uh, and your targets. So the the beauty of this is. Tegan Quatoriano now on IR. So you've got four weeks to go pick him up. Yeah, plenty of time. You can kind of really just kind of stash him on waivers for the time being. Just, you know, just keep that clock in your head because you've got, <laughs> you're trying so hard <laughs> to take this seriously. And I appreciate it. I've heard Tegan Quatoriano be described as a coach off the field. That really, when he exits the field, the offense really awakens. And I've got to say, I'm impressed. As soon as he stops playing, C.J. Stroud is unbelievable. Has the best performance of any rookie fantasy score of all time. So mm -hmm. thank you, Tegan Catoriano, for your sacrifice of Week 9. <laughs> Directly responsible for that 470-yard, <laughs> five-touchdown performance. It's a small sample set, but we'll see how it plays out over the next four weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, it, when it happens again next week, yeah, you know it's, uh, it's TQ. All right. Yeah, I've, got, <laughs> I've got a, a rookie quarterback I want to drop. Um, this is, of Ooh. course, a redraft take. This is not a dynasty take. Yeah. But I've had enough. We dropped Mac Jones a few weeks back, didn't we? Um, and he rebounded slightly. So maybe we're doing a, a reverse curse here. Um, <laughs> Bryce Young, I've had enough. I'm done starting him in my super flex position. He's giving me like 13 points a week. That is replacement level in redraft fantasy. Get out, get off my team, Bryce Young. I'm done with you. Uh, Lamar Jackson has scored less than 13 points four times this year. How many times has he scored more than like 40? <laughs> uh, one, <laughs> but it was still uh, Bryce Young has not come anywhere near that number. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> I just wanted to take a shot at Lamar Jackson because I'm so sick of him. It's totally and unwarranted, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cam Akers I, is is droppable in all formats, unfortunately. 
Um, but a, a second torn Achilles, we've never seen anyone come back from two. Uh, and it feels really, really unlikely. It's making the running back landscape for next season feel really difficult. Uh, you know, like, cause I feel the same way with Nick Chubb, like after, after that horrific injury, after the way his knee bent, I'm just like, I cannot imagine him being back on the field. Cam Akers, I don't see a way for him to get back on the field. You know, yeah, but, just as a human being, like I feel yeah. for Cam Akers. His career never really took off like maybe we had hoped or anticipated. And I feel for the guy, right? This is for sort sure. of the reality of the running back position. It's kind of horrible um, for these human beings playing the position. And the fantasy asset is gone. And like we're always going to wonder what could have been. Yep, absolutely. So, Players you can fade. The only one I'm going to fade, because uh, you've got plenty of them, um, I'm just going to say Gus Edwards. Like I said, Keaton Mitchell, far more explosive. Uh, Gus Edwards gets in the end zone two more times, five touchdowns in the last two weeks. Like it's, 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 it, but it's, it's kind of that short yardage stuff. It's, it's Brandon Jacobs and it's Lendale White back in the day, just kind of falling into the end zone. Um, it, I, he's, he's getting plenty of work. It's not a matter of, it's not like they're just bringing him into medicine ball him into the line of scrimmage across the goal line, but like it, it it's a touchdown rate that is not going to be sustainable. And especially when you've got better players at that position. It was a weird game, but he only had a handful of carries as well. So the one thing we could trust with Gus Edwards was volume. Mm-hmm. And even that's fallen off. So I, I love your fade. Um, I've got three. I'm going to start at the top and work my way down. Um, Jamar Chase, maybe the best wide receiver in football right now, at least in the very mm-hmm. upper echelon. Um, he's got a back injury. And I don't know if you remember, John, but he was encouraging Joe Burrow to take a few weeks off um, when he had his own calf injury at the beginning of the year. And so I see a player who is very wisely taking care of his body um, when he's not able to play at the level that he needs to. And so I have worries that I'm not going to have this elite producer that I've been relying on this season. Um, and so I'm, I'm a little concerned with Jamar Chase. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, like probably a, a buy for strong contenders though, right? Because if you if if he does if he if he's gonna take the time off to to let that back injury heal, that means when he does come back, you're getting him at a hundred percent. Joe Burrow finally at a hundred percent. Like it, that could be a monster monster move. Um, the the whole thing starts with Jamar Chase missing a little bit of time, but man, that could set into motion a league winning move. Yeah, I like that. Um couple other guys I'm fading, uh, Raheem Mostert, he's got his bye coming up, and Devon Achan is coming back, and we could not be more excited about that because we saw explosive li- explosiveness unlike anything we've ever seen. Um, and so Mostert, he's somebody that we've really relied on as an RB1, um, maybe an RB2 if you're a really strong contender. I think we need to temper those expectations. And another running back who maybe we need to put on our bench and and not in the running back position or even the flex position is Zach Moss. The takeover is complete. Um, yep. Jonathan Taylor is back. His snap share has risen every single week and he looks great. I'm not saying Zach Moss is a bad player, but he is nowhere in the league of a Jonathan Taylor. And you're just not as you as in the Colts, not nearly yeah. as committed to Zach Moss. No, like there's, there's plenty of, of motivation to the tune of what $42 million yep. to get Jonathan Taylor on the field. So yeah, like Zach Moss uh, is a handcuff at this point. Yeah. So players you can buy and hold, uh, especially for those contenders. Um, and mine is also a little bit of a next year, this year as well. Jerome Ford for Cleveland uh, seems to be the clear number one. Um, but we, we really kind of got some clarity this week in that backfield with everybody healthy. 
they seem to uh they seem to prefer Kareem Hunt in short yardage situations, goal line situations. Don't love that. But everything else is starting with Jerome Ford. And Kareem Hunt is legitimately just kind of the backup, just kind of the handcuff. Yeah, I think that's a great one because like you said, not only are you reaping the rewards this year as a contender, but you may have an RB1 next year. Um, those are tough to find. The predictability at the running back position just isn't there in most instances. And one running back that we really had high hopes for this season was Bijan Robinson, right? The dynasty RB1, a first round redraft uh, running back in a lot of uh, leagues that I saw at least. And he has been God awful. And it's not his fault, but the last couple of weeks he had 6.9 points, 12 points and 0.3 points in most PPR leagues. That's not getting it done really at a flex position. Um, I'm wondering, John, what would you pay for Bijan Robinson right now? If you're a strong contender. Oh man. You know what? So we need to get, we need to send some fortune cookies to freaking Arthur Smith, <laughs> but like, I think that's coming. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm a, I was a little bit surprised to wake up on Monday morning and not hear the news that he had been fired. Like, so I'm willing to make the bet that that's going to happen. And when that happens, this often uh, this offense is already going to open up quite a bit more once everybody's healthy and you've got Taylor Hineke. but I I just I kind of have a feeling that uh, Arthur Smith uh, getting getting canned would be um, would really just kind of open all of this up. So yeah. you know, for me, like I I think that I'm probably still in the neighborhood of three firsts is what I would be willing to do for Bijan Robinson. Wow. You know, if like, if I'm a strong contender, I likely don't have a beat on one Oh one. Uh, I, cause I'm not doing that, but you know, any other, any other three firsts outside of like the top three. And even then I'll give you one Oh two and another first. Yeah. I would imagine that would get it done too. Mm -hmm. um, somebody else you wouldn't have to pay nearly that for, but somebody who probably has 30 to 40 point upside in any given week at a very rare position is George Kittle. He's somebody that I've always kind of loved, um, just the football player, George Kittle, but the fantasy asset is a little bit inconsistent. I'll, I'll give you that, but the highs are so high. And if you've got a contending team and you don't have Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. I want to buy George Kittle right now. He's really cheap. He's in the neighborhood of a second plus a small adder. And I really like having that type of upside at an uncommon position. That's, that's super interesting. Like, you know, what kind of with the ascension of Sam Laporta, Trey McBride and Dalton Kincaid, like yeah. some of the, some of these guys are kind of getting lost in the mix. Some of the guys that we used to be really excited about. So, uh, you know, big time buy window and, um, it's it, like the consistency is kind of always the issue with George Kittle, but like when the, when the price tag drops low enough, you're willing to take on some of that risk, you know, and you're willing to navigate and, uh, you know, play matchups um and you know or you know if you get a you get a decent game from george kittle then bench him the following week like it can be that simple <laughs> super friends super flex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. more memories are made when you're there for live nfl action and when you need tickets Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. I've had yeah. some players you can sell. I've got Alvin Kamara 
uh, and just kind of losing some, uh, just losing some of the workload week by week at this point. Um, just kind of like it's, it's turning into a full blown committee. Um, and it was a very positive game script for the running game. And Alvin Kamara still gets a little over a third of the work. I like, I think that's, that's the way we're trending with Alvin Kamara. Although the target share was really high, um, the production really wasn't following and it just felt like this was the natural conclusion for his production and his value. He's a sell. Um, he's not a bad player, um, but he's somebody that is likely to plummet next year. So I think that's a great sell. My sell is maybe a little bit more contentious. So John, I heard you mm-hmm. on dynasty junkies last week. Um, it was cool hearing you talk with other folks about players because we don't really get enough time um, to talk about individual players at depth. But you mentioned a rookie quarterback that you're really into um, who happened to finish as the QB one this week, scored mm-hmm. something like 45 fantasy points. My cell is CJ Stroud. <laughs> <laughs> you're nuts to sell that. I mean, I, like, okay, so I, I get the angle. I know what you're going to say. Uh, he basically just hit his ceiling, right? Like for the, for a week. Sort thing. of. Here, uh, let me lay it out for you. I think that CJ Stroud is a good quarterback. I think he's on a success track. Mm-hmm. I think that he is wildly overvalued coming into this week. The reason really? I say that is because 40% of round one quarterbacks only hit once in their career. I think that CJ Stroud is very likely to have more than one top 12 finish, but I don't have to hold that risk. You put a tweet out on X or whatever we're calling it these days saying that you were struggling to find what four quarterbacks to put in front of CJ Stroud in your dynasty ranks. Uh, With confidence. I mean, you know, I could, I could definitely tell you that I still think Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are better dynasty assets. I just don't feel super confident about that at this point. And, mm-hmm. and Josh Allen actually is, is the other, it's more uh, Herbert and Josh Allen. Those are the two guys that I have a tough time with Mahomes hurts um, Joe Burrow. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But you get beyond that, man. It's, it's tough, but we're swimming in those waters of value right now with CJ Stroud. He's somewhere in that tier of players. And we talked about this in the offseason. The things that I look for are players who have been top 12 finishers at their respective positions twice and who have contract security. I can move a C.J. Stroud, I think, this week into a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow. I am so happy to do that right now. You've won if you've done that. You have accomplished exactly what your goal was when you drafted him. Now, please exit left and take on no more risk. Uh, yeah, the problem is you could have said the same about Burrow and Herbert, you know, mm-hmm. um, as per, uh, Herbert after year one, Burrow after year two. Sure. Um, and here we are, you know, three years later saying, actually, like these guys have really kind of been maintaining that value all along. I just I when I look at CJ Stroud and it, it's a this is a big thing for me, like this has always been a big part of my analysis. I love the scoring that you get for one season from a run heavy, you know, run first type of quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Jalen hurts. He's actually proving to be a little bit better passer than a lot of people thought, but you know, Anthony Richardson, uh, what you get from those guys, uh, for one season is great, but in dynasty, I want quarterbacks who are going to allow me to just just have the just just kind of be done addressing the position for as long as possible. And CJ Stroud has that first of all has that sustainable skill set, very comfortable in the pocket. There is some mobility. We saw that this week. They even ran a uh um they had uh uh, I, I can't even remember who it was now. They threw a pass to him for, for picked up a first down. Might have been Devin Singletary even. But <laughs> um, 
but like you know there's 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 some athleticism there there's some mobility there but above all else he is comfortable standing in the pocket and he's got every throw in the book and it's just again it's this this sustainable style of play that we've seen from Burrow and we've seen from Herbert we've seen from Mahomes um that just kind of like you, there's there's just value in the fact that you can just set one of those two quarterback positions except for his bye week and you're just kind of done you know I get it I mean he's a good player I'm not denying that um what we see a lot of times is the player's value uh gets overcooked defenses adjust to them um and then there's a bit of a struggle in the second year and so the team will react by getting an elite wide receiver or offensive line. They'll surround the quarterback with high-priced veteran players because the quarterback is on a rookie contract, right? Mm -hmm. This is very much the Dak Prescott story. Um, You know, he was a revelation as a rookie. He got Amari Cooper. He had CeeDee Lamb. um, But as soon as he was signed to his mega contract, that was no longer sustainable. And so Dak Prescott had to do it on his own. So if we're talking long-term value, I don't necessarily see a value edge um, with a CJ Stroud over a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow, because we know that they can do it. Um, We have pretty good evidence that over the long-term, these other players will also be successful um, and that they can do it with or without their top weapons. And so it just feels like right now is a perfect opportunity to capitalize on what CJ Stroud has done because the assumption is he will continue to do it. And while it's likely he will, there is no, um, there's no promise to me that he will. And so I'd like to, I'd like to move laterally in the value game. Yeah. I, I, I think that that part's fair. I still, I like, I like to make big bets on, on, guys you know who flash early like this yeah um puka nakua is another great example you know how i feel about investing in wide receivers but um you know it if just kind of the the trajectory that he's on as well it just feels like the type of thing that leads to to me just having a position locked down but if you can move even if you call it a lateral move if you can move from stroud to Justin Herbert right now because you run into someone like me who doesn't feel completely comfortable with Herbert over CJ Stroud at the moment like that's it's absolutely a a move worth making but this is going to be something I think that we're going to end up talking a lot about uh, not only through the season but once we get to the non-point scoring season uh, it sounds like this is this is something that you and I are going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, you make big bets and I think they pay off for you and I don't realize them in the same ways. And so it's a it's a philosophical thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh next year this year some uh some players for uh for those rebuilders. Um and I'm just going to give you mine real quick cuz I've got two quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Kirk Cousins. It's as simple as this. I look around the league and I have a hard time identifying 32 NFL starting quarterbacks for 2024. Uh, these guys are pretty much slam dunks to be that. So um, the fact that Kirk Cousins is on IR and isn't going to help anybody contend this year makes him very acquirable. And then people are going to be pretty nervous about Kyler Murray. Um, it, it, it feels like they're just kind of showing him off to potentially trade him. They can trade him all they want. They can send he, he doesn't have to play for the Arizona Cardinals. He's going to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know how much I love Kyler. I think that's a great bet. And I've seen Cousins go for somewhere in the neighborhood of a second right now. And I really like that bet as well because he's been doing it for a while now. And he was having his best season of his entire career this year. Um, he won't always have Justin Jefferson, but that's going to be okay. Wherever he lands, I think he's going to be a you know exactly what he's always been, which is a fringe QB one. Um, One place that neither quarterback is going to get traded to is the AFC South. Um, I was, I was sitting watching football this weekend and I'm a Jaguars fan and my team was on by and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then I started thinking about the division and we've got 
Will Levis, who did really well. We've got CJ Stroud, who just did unprecedented things. Anthony Richardson's on IR. And I realized that next year, the AFC South is going to be a juggernaut of offense. Mm -hmm. There is going to be so much more fantasy production in this division than there's been in decades. And so I'm really excited to buy cheap pieces of this entire division because there's going to be shootouts across the board as these young quarterbacks <laughs> move into more comfort. Um, and they're surrounded, like we talked about earlier, with more premier weapons. Have you ever bought into an entire division before, John? Yeah, I've, I have I remember doing that a few times. I mean, it, just last year, the AFC West looked like it was going to be basically the same thing. You know, with a, there, it was kind of an arms race to try and keep up with Mahomes. You had Russell Wilson come to Denver. And, uh, you know, you had uh, Devontae Adams going to Vegas. Um, so, yeah, like this, this happens from time to time. Um, and, but man, I don't remember the last time that I saw such good quarterback play in a division that just, uh, just kind of refuses across the board to play defense. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it, it definitely is enough to make you salivate. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just hunting pieces there. The Christian Kirks of the world. Um, Tank Dell is unattainable right now, but that profile was really accessible last week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still not totally sold on Tank Dell beyond this season, but that's a another that's kind of a conversation for another day. Right at the moment, ride the wave, let him help you get a championship. Um, but and then we'll talk about it in the non point scoring season some lineup hacks for you. And right now I'm kind of looking ahead for the rest of the season and at the fantasy playoffs. So if you're looking for some players to help you get to the playoffs, and then once you're there, uh, some players who can still help you uh, because, you know, there are going to be plenty of teams who just, you're, you're just looking for the players who help you get to the playoffs in the first place. And then once, you, once you're there, you run into some pretty bad matchups. There's also some strong contenders who are going to be looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs uh, and what's the path to actually finishing and winning the championship, but they kind of stumble along the way and maybe miss out on a top seed. So let's, uh, let's try and strike that balance. Let's find some players who help you get to the playoffs and then help you win once you get there. Gardner Minshew at quarterback. He's a, he has the second best schedule for the rest of the season among all quarterbacks. And then he has the best schedule in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, his, his worst remaining matchup is Tampa Bay, who we just saw uh, in a shootout against Houston. Um, and that's week 12 coming out of the bye. So they've got two weeks to prepare for that one. Jerome Ford at running back has the second best schedule for all for running backs for the remainder of the fantasy season. And then once you get to the fantasy playoffs, he has the, the best running back schedule. Uh, his only negative uh, negative matchup is this week against Baltimore. And then beyond that, it's all smooth sailing. Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. The New Orleans Saints have the third best wide receiver schedule for the rest of the season, and then the best schedule once you get to the fantasy playoffs. And Chigakonkwu has the third best uh, the rest of the season and the seventh best once you get to the fantasy playoffs. Uh, but he only has one negative matchup the le left the rest of the way. Um, it is Miami in week 14, which could be the first week of your fantasy playoffs, depending on, uh, uh, depending on the format some players to avoid and this one is going to be this is a really hard one to avoid um but i just want to warn you of the treachery ahead for jalen hurts it's an awful schedule the rest of the season and in the fantasy playoffs he only has one neutral matchup left and it's in week 16 i don't remember who it is new york giants i believe uh brian robinson at running back three of uh, three of his next four games. So the remainder of the fantasy season are going to be negative matchups. Um, then he has the buy and then two negative match matchups in the fantasy playoffs. 
at wide receiver, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the second worst schedule for wide receivers the rest of the way. It lightens up a little bit when you get to the fantasy playoffs, but they still have the 10th worst schedule there uh, with only one neutral or plus matchup left week 11 against Tennessee and a tight end. Man, this one hurts. Dalton Kincaid has the seventh worst schedule the rest of the way. And then once you get to the fantasy playoffs, has a second worst schedule. Uh, only one plus matchup left, and it's this week against Denver. Yeah, those are some pretty elite players that you just named there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard I'm to move really, off of those guys, you know? It's so tough to move off of a Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't, I'm going to have to wrap my head around that one um, in terms of finding a way to to move laterally. Um, but I'm just happy to talk about the playoffs. Like, we're kind of there, John. Like, we're I know damn the near there. Yeah, it's yeah. a few weeks away, but we kind of need to get ready for that right now. And that's what I want to talk about with our strategic planning segment this week. Um, and specifically, I want to talk about trade deadlines. Not necessarily are they dumb, which, yeah, they're kind of dumb. Um, but it is a different type of strategy game when you can't trade with your league mates, right? You're sort of on this this island. You have access to waivers. You have access to whatever rostered players you have and other than that you're you're alone you're isolated and so i just want to ask you first do you have any leagues that have trade deadlines and if so um what are you doing to navigate the last few weeks of the regular fantasy season before the playoffs if you can't trade with your league mates i have a few and i'm really just kind of it 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 kind of depends on where i'm at i suppose Um, and, but it also, it really kind of depends on what does everybody have to play for here? You know, kind of what are the, what are, what are the settings? What are the, the, what, what are your reasons to win a game if you haven't won one yet, essentially, you know? So you've got the, the leagues that have a trade deadline for me typically also have like a toilet bowl or something. So it's like, you're probably not going to get those teams necessarily to do a fire sale uh, and, and help, help out contenders um, when they still have something to play for. So uh, man, like I just, I just don't like trade deadlines. I I'm with you. Like it's, there's some interesting strategy, but it just really just, it just kind of gets in the way of everybody who's trying to still accomplish things in a dynasty league um all season long you know yeah what it does do in my experience is it shuts running back off for four or five teams in your league they're not looking for the next backup running back um which is great they're picking up players for next year in a dynasty league typically um unless there is a toilet bowl and they're particularly motivated but I've found that I have more access to running backs if I'm a middle tier or contending team. And I'm also finding myself willing to push my roster construction in different ways. Because running backs are more accessible, I don't need to roster quite so many. I don't need to have that three to one ratio. I find myself more willing to roster backup quarterbacks, um, my own backup quarterbacks especially, And I find myself looking more toward my own backup running backs, finding my handcuffs at this point in the year. Um, And then trying to find the backup running backs of the most dominant teams in the league. I want to find ways that if luck strikes against them, that it strikes for me, that I'm sort of doubling the benefit of them hitting a bad stretch because I'm also hitting a potential streaming running back at that point. I like that a lot. Yeah. Like running backs really do kind of, uh, and wide receivers by extension, like the value really does just kind of shift like where typically we we're not, you know, trying to, uh, to hold a whole lot of wide receiver depth. The one thing about it is if you get to this point, you've got quite a bit of currency there because those non-contenders are going to be looking to flip, you know, short-term running backs for long-term, at least long-term upside wide receivers. Yeah. 
So that's a really good move. I, you know, I think the quarterback, you know, kind of conversely for those non-contenders, quarterback can be a very good uh, position to kind of target right now because, you know, those contenders are going to be looking for the players that help them win now. And like it, it, it's, it's like Kirk Cousins for Gardner Minshew right at the moment is a very good example of this. I don't know that you get that trade done, but it's a lot closer than it has ever been right now. Because like I just said, Gardner Minshew, great schedule the rest of the way. We know that he's got very good weapons. Uh, We know he's going to be in pretty positive game scripts. Um, We know he's going to be throwing a lot. And Kirk Cousins is on IR. You're getting absolutely nothing from him. I would imagine that contenders are willing to make that move. Yeah. And let's say that, you know, the person that you're facing has lost Dallas Goddard. Um, I'm willing to push my roster into suboptimal construction to challenge that manager to spend up on backup tight ends, on streaming tight ends, because I don't want them to have an easy road against me. I want to make this as difficult as possible. And I even want to look a week ahead and see where are the weaknesses of my upcoming opponent. And if I can afford to, I want to stress them as well. I want to leave as little for them uh, on the waiver wire because that's really all I'm focused on. If I can't trade the value of having um, a wide receiver and Alec Pierce that I'm not going to start, like, see you later, man, like of having some of these third string running backs, I can sacrifice them because they're likely to be available again in a week if it means that I can mess with my current opponent or my upcoming opponent. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Some like kind of the uh, especially for you know kind of playoff teams on the bubble a little bit. Uh, that's certainly the type of move to you know to be kind of reacting to uh, what somebody else can potentially put up against you once you get to the fantasy playoffs. Um, I I also just think that you should be chasing upside, just yeah. kind of generally speaking. Um, and you know, starting to condition ourselves to, uh, to make lineup decisions every week and to have a bunch of different options to consider, particularly a quarterback and running back, um, you know, to a slightly lesser extent tight end. I still don't know that it's the, like, I, I, I don't know how you decide when to bench a wide receiver, you know? <laughs> I have never figured that part out. Like even when it seems like a bad matchup, you know, that's that's like one of life's eternal questions. I don't know if you've seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or read the book, but they're Mm -hmm. like, what is the answer to everything? And I feel like that's which wide receiver do I start in any week? Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be troubled with the mysteries of the universe. That's why I want so few is so that my life has more Zen in it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> decision fatigue it's the the steve jobs thing like just wear the black turtleneck all the time so you don't have to think about it <laughs> yeah we're we're proposing that everybody just be like a mindless four wide rece- wide receiver team yeah um but i think that there's a lot of moves to be made even if trading is taken away um from the options you know like just because you can't trade doesn't mean your season is over. You need to pay more attention to the details because your opponent can't be bailed out with a fortuitous trade with a manager who's looking forward. They're stuck with whatever you're stuck with on the waiver wire and make them pay if they're not paying attention. Yep. The other nice thing is, especially with a trade deadline, like, so if you went quarterback extreme, you haven't had to deal with probably haven't had to deal with, you know, the, the quarterback runs the last couple weeks, uh, the, the, you know, the waiver runs that are just kind of dominated by quarterbacks and you've got to throw a lot of money at some of these guys and you've been able to save fab. And now you've got a, you've got several teams that aren't really going to be active on waivers anyways. So like there's, there's a major opportunity to get out in front of those people Um, but, uh, you know, a big key to it is to, is navigating, you know, when we talk about waivers, uh, you know, there's, there's 
like Leonard Fournette, you know, all the way back to the beginning of the show, talking about Leonard Fournette and what, you know, the potential there um, for what this could be. If we're being honest, there's pretty capped upside, you know, where Keaton Mitchell probably makes a lot more sense for a team just kind of trying to uh, to shoot the moon, just even get to the playoffs because there's quite a bit more upside there. I like that. And if you think about it, if eight teams are competing, let's say in a 12 team league now, you know, we're through almost 10 weeks of the season. There's probably some pretty good players on those remaining four teams that aren't in it anymore. Um, and if there is a trade deadline, they're pretty much Thanos from the league. They just don't exist anymore. And so you need to hunt for upside because, you know, those players, they're gone. You need to find other opportunities to really hit these elite outcomes. Um, and I, I think that there are still going to be plenty of players that we're talking about in a few weeks that present 20 point plus upside. Yep. Absolutely. Man. I like that. Like that. I, I like, I, I really just like, you know, and this is the perfect time of season to do it, to just kind of like, just, just take focus. First of all, really compartmentalize where your, where your roster is. Is this the contender? Is, like, is this a strong contender? Is this a, a bubble team? Or is this a non-contender rebuild type of team? Um, and from there, just kind of say, all right, like, let's, let's look ahead. Like which, which segment of the remaining season do I really need to focus on here? If you're a strong contender, get ready for the fantasy playoffs. If you're, uh, if you're a bubble team, figure out who are the guys who help you get in, in the first place. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of, from there you can really kind of dictate do i need to me everybody should be chasing upside i don't care how good your team if you're undefeated i still think that you should be preparing for uh almost like a dfs approach once you get to the fantasy playoffs and have plenty of options and be able to say all right like this guy you know i'm running into a tough matchup here because um you know this 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 person's lineup has all these great matchups this week and I'm going to need to be, I'm going to be chasing points a little bit. You need to be able to pivot off of some of your high floor guys and get ready for some, you know, find some potential upside because I don't care how good you are. You're going to run into that situation at some point. Yeah. It took us an hour to get there, but I think that's the exact core of what we're proposing this week is chase the upside. The Mm -hmm. upside is what matters right now. And that's what I'm going to do with my leagues uh, going into week 10 and and honestly beyond. I'm going to chase some upside. Yep. And we're going to start with Demario Douglas. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Just for you. And Tegan Kotoriano, we're still going to, there's, there's unlimited upside. (laughs) Tegan There's just zero floor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a, a 20 foot pit underneath. You get uh, a lot of zeros, but one day you're going to get paid off. <laughs> and man, are you going to hear about it from me when that happens? Uh, all right. So you've got your standard operating procedures. All that's left to do is go and execute. So let's wrap this one up for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed, get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. And once you've subscribed to the super show, if you give us a rating and review, it really helps us to get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really focus on the topics that are the most useful to you. Our super friends. We're both on X. He's at FF Tommy B. I'm at Superflex Dude, and uh, I, I, I I'm gonna try my hardest not to block you when you come to me with your Lamar Jackson love. Um, so so feel free, but just know you're not gonna get a satisfactory response. <laughs> You unmuted for that. Let's let's hear. It. Oh, I just feel obligated to say <laughs> Lamar Jackson is an awesome football player, and you owe me a debate because you're so <laughs> wrong on this take. One day, I'm going to prove it in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. 
his game logs look a lot like Sam Howell's right now. Oof. Amazing football player, <laughs> amazing athlete, honestly probably the best football player on the planet. But for fantasy, in terms of scoring fantasy points, so, so freaking annoying and frustrating and just disgusting. He's just disgusting. <laughs> Wrap it up, John. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Sabrain Catullus. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexing. Yeah.